from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Listen to me. This is a woman's business. When a woman does it, it's fun. There's a giggle in it. When a man's involved, he's sleazy. He's a pimp. He may know how to keep girls in line and he may make money, but he doesn't know what I do. Alex Fleming, Madam. Madam Alex? Hell yeah, she was crazy. She was out of her mind. But it took a lot more than just learning from someone. There's a lot more thought that goes into the escort business than people realize. You have to learn how to make people feel secure in dealing with you. Heidi Fleiss. Previously on Heidi World. Heidi Fleiss flunked out of high school and lit the L.A. partying scene on fire. She hooked up with Yvonne Naj, a sleazebag Hungarian director turned full-time sportsbookie who introduced her to L.A.'s secret world of high-end prostitution. Welcome 
to Heidi World. Chapter 3, Mid-Century Madam. Madam Alex rules LA and teaches Heidi the rules of the game, 1960s, 70s, and 80s. Madam Alex went by a lot of names. She was variously known as Elizabeth Adams, Betty Jensen, Alex Adam, and Alex Fleming. But who exactly is the woman who showed Heidi the ropes of running a high-class escort business? Lucky for us, she wrote an autobiography called Madam 90210 that fills in a lot of the details. There's also a Vanity Fair story about her called I'm Alex, Call Me, written in advance of her 1988 trial date. In the two decades she ran her call girl business, Madam Alex didn't advertise. She didn't need to. Word of mouth kept her phone ringing off the hook. She called herself an antique stealer, and that was the front she used for decades as she ran her popular high-class call girl ring. She also had a special relationship with the cops as an informant, who were well aware of her and allegedly took bribes in the form of sex. But she did make business cards once, in 1985, with the engraved image of a bird of paradise and the copy Alex's aviary, beautiful and exotic birds. But it wasn't the business cards that got her busted. It was the word of mouth. Madam Alex was a total blabbermouth. She loved to gossip. She did not care if there was any truth to her stories at all, yet she maintained a classy persona of hush-hush. Madam Alex knows everyone in town, including an anonymous talent manager who also knows everyone in town. For now, we will call him Rick. One night at the Troubadour, I spotted this extraordinary girl. I was standing with Hollywood's most celebrated Lothario, so I asked him who she was. A professional, he whispered. That was my first introduction to the notion that on a scale of one to 10, there were women who were 15s, beautiful, bright, witty, and oh, by the way, they worked. Once I became aware, I saw these women everywhere, and I came to learn that most of them were connected to Alex. Rick, client of Alex. When I first met Madam Alex, I was surprised to see that most of the girls working for her were actually not that attractive. The girl's age range was 28 to 43, but Alex kept a pristine reputation of style, class, taste, whatever. Alex maintained this reputation by getting anyone she needed in her life laid for free. This included journalists, cops, lawyers, what have you, and in return, these people would do anything they could to please her to get the freebie. Alex's exotic birds, or creatures as she called them, were mostly the type of girls she thought her clients wanted, a type at its peak in the mid-80s, white, blonde, and busty, with a beachy tan. In short, California girls, of the sort dominating hair metal music videos and the public imagination about L.A. in the 1980s. One client describes one of Alex's girls as having tawny skin and an ass like two volleyballs. She had 150 girls working for her, but Alex stayed at home, stuffing the millions of dollars she made into the mattress, far from the IRS. 
Alex's business set the model for Heidi in many ways. She was obsessed with her girls seeming classy and intelligent, blending in with the other young ladies lunching and shopping with rich older men in Beverly Hills, always strictly on his dime, of course. Over and over, the Johns say was sheer disbelief that the girls didn't seem like hookers. The talent impresario in the Vanity Fair piece says he lived here for years believing that every prostitute in Los Angeles was a teenage runaway working on Hollywood Boulevard before encountering Alex's flock. There's a common note of condescension from the Johns, a sheer disbelief that a beautiful, intelligent woman would ever purposefully choose sex work. I was born in Manila to a Spanish-Filipina mother and German father. And when I was 12, a Japanese soldier came into our house with his bayonet pointed at us, ready to do us in. He locked us in and set the house on fire. I haven't been scared by much since that. Madame Alex was born Elizabeth Adams, although even that might be an alias. She grew up in the Philippines in Makati, which she calls the Beverly Hills of Manila, the suburb of walled estates and lovely gardens. Her father was a Connecticut-born German-American named August Hugo Kuntz, who moved to the Philippines. There he met Alex's mother, who belonged to a wealthy dynasty of Spanish colonialists. They produced Alex, who grew up in pre-war luxury, in a mansion with servants and nannies, attending strict Catholic schools and churches. Her mother reinforced the strict Catholicism at home, terrified that her daughter would discover sex. In 1941, World War II arrived in Manila. Alex's father was an American loyalist, although his German name could have protected him had he chosen. He took up with the guerrilla resistance movement against the Japanese occupation of the Philippines and was put in a concentration camp. Alex's mother became obsessed with a fear that the American GIs would deflower her Catholic daughter and send her to live with an uncle in Japan, where she was promptly deflowered by an American GI. This gave Alex, she says, a taste for Americans. She was back in Manila at the convent school within the year. Because of the diverse nature of the Philippines, a place exploited and financially striated by a long line of colonialist predators, Alex grew up speaking Chinese, Tagalog, English, Spanish, and German. After the war ended, Alex's parents divorced, and her mother decided they would move to San Francisco. On the ship that headed to California via Hawaii, Alex got her first taste of Hollywood when she befriended fellow passenger Howard Strickling, who was the head of publicity at MGM Studios. He regaled her with tales of stars like Cary Grant. When they reached San Francisco, Alex made a break for it from her mom and ended up at another Catholic church in Oakland, where she worked as a housekeeper for a group of priests. In 1953, with money wired to her from her dad, she moved to Los Angeles and got a job at a dance studio, first as a receptionist and eventually as a tango instructor. In 1955, Alex marries an aerospace physicist and has what she describes as a typical Eisenhower 50s marriage with a big house in Los Feliz near where Cecil B. DeMille lived and a Cadillac with tail fins and two wonderful sons. According to Alex, the nightlife in 1950s LA had nothing on Manila. Glamorous Hollywood clubs like Ciro's and the Macambo had shut down. Not that she and her husband went out much. Most nights we stayed home with Ed Sullivan or Lawrence Welk. 
After eight years, we found we had nothing to say to each other and got divorced. Her husband flees to another state with their two sons and says if she doesn't agree to a divorce, he will just keep them there. Keep them, says Alex, and hangs up. She says she cares about her children. She just hates her husband's attempt to manipulate her. Freshly divorced, Alex gets a job at the flower shop in the Tony Ambassador Hotel, which contains one of L.A.'s last operating big band supper clubs, the Coconut Grove. Through the flower arranging world, Alex enters an underground social scene of gay men and starts going to their parties, where she meets a straight guy who becomes her second husband, an Austrian businessman who wins her heart by telling her that she looks like Joan Crawford. She says he has Frank Sinatra blue eyes. He may also have a Frank Sinatra-like connection to the Italian mafia. They move to fancy Hancock Park and have a son, but Alex keeps her job at the Ambassador Flower Shop. At the flower shop, Alex tends to famous customers like Liza Minnelli, Jane Fonda, and the French model and actress Capuchine. One day, Alex gets a call from a woman named Arabella Carlton, whose brother is one of her customers at the flower shop. Arabella asks if Alex wants to buy her business, which she reveals is a madaming business. Alex is absolutely shocked that Arabella, a classy, refined Englishwoman, is a madam. She also isn't sure why Arabella thinks she'd want to take over. But Arabella sells her on it, saying Alex's people skills at the flower shop and on the phone make her a natural. Plus, it's a great opportunity to make a ton of money. Alex is so flattered, she says yes, and Arabella promises to train her. At that time, getting caught madaming, a charge called pandering, could only get you 90 days maximum. In the Philippines, Alex says, prostitution was completely out in the open despite the Catholic culture. Manila had a designated red light district for its sex workers. But in America, there was a veneer of secrecy to even street level dealings. Arabella quoted a rate of $200 an hour, which Alex compared to the 20 bucks an hour Filipina bar hostesses got back home. She shows Alex how to work the phones. Here was this regal woman who looked like she'd be having tea with Queen Elizabeth, saying things like, how'd you like to come over and eat my box? With a $5,000 insurance check from earthquake damage to her house, Alex buys the business. Her husband, who again was probably in the mafia, says, now you're getting your feet wet when she tells him what she's done. Alex realized very quickly that she had vastly overpaid. She'd bought Arabella's client list, which it turns out consisted of 25 unfamous older men with erection issues, about half of whom were already dead. Arabella's stable consisted of only five girls who all had day jobs as waitresses and secretaries. The tremendous financial windfall Arabella had promised seemed unlikely, So Alex took matters into her own hands to expand the business. She confessed her new trade to a flower shop client who ran a big construction company that built post-war homes around the U.S. He offered to help by providing her with a list of 50 big names, producers, agents, and studio executives, and telling her to cold call them without mentioning him, asking if they needed any help entertaining friends. The men on the list were all quote-unquote players, known to hire call girls, and they were always interested in seeing new talent. Furthermore, it was the 60s. 
lots of older men wanted a taste of the sexual revolution that they felt they were missing out on. Alex describes the culture clash by saying that these clients wanted the young, beautiful, and braless, sexually free girls they kept seeing on the street everywhere, but they wanted them in garter belts and corsets. Meanwhile, the movie business was tanking after the studio excesses of the 60s, while Easy Rider ushered in a new era of youth-centric art film-influenced filmmaking that none of the studios were primed to understand. And yet... The players were hornier than ever. Maybe they were so depressed by the business that they wanted to lose themselves in sex. Maybe it was an eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow the studio goes into Chapter 11 attitude. Clute had just come out with Jane Fonda as a fancy hooker. The movie had everyone talking about call girls, and there just weren't enough of them. Not the fancy New York kind in Los Angeles, where the flower children and rock groupies were giving it away, though not to the players on my list. These are the guys who are way too old for Woodstock, but saw hair and want to meet some young nudists. So... Alex goes scouting for new girls to suit the new tastes. L.A. has to be full of girls with untapped potential, girls who came out west to be actresses and failed to hit the mark, beautiful girls who needed money fast. Alex says she wants to help the girls, to rescue them. She calls it a challenge. And the way she frames this quest like Catholic missionary work is probably not a coincidence. Alex recruits at a Beverly Hills beauty parlor, taking note of which pretty girls are not wearing wedding rings, striking up conversations and inviting them back to hers for a drink. Alex thinks her house, with its antiques and paintings, denotes a certain upper-class lifestyle they'll want in on. I don't think it occurred to her that it might look a bit stuffy and old-fashioned to their hip young eyes. She plays up the fact that she's a housewife with young kids to show them that the sex business isn't as scary as they'd been taught, naming some of her A-list clients. She draws the girls out into confessing they wish they had more money and then offers them a new job working for her. One day, Madam Alex was sitting on her bed in her transparent muumuu, and she said to me, You know, Heidi, blue and white are regal colors. Alex's new girls recruit other new girls for her, as well as adding more Johns to the client list. Some of the new Johns are celebrities, and Alex can't believe that even they want to pay for sex. But she comes to see that high-profile men like her girls because it's a way to cheat on their sometimes also high-profile wives with women whose job it is to be discreet. A civilian affair could blow up, but pros don't expect anything more, and they know when to leave. When Heidi World returns, Alex scouts for new talent on the Sunset Strip. It's almost here. The NYX anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. 
Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. back to Heidi World. Alex also scouts on Sunset Boulevard for hippie girls who look like they go to Doors shows and frequent The Source, one of LA's first health food restaurants run by the Source family cult and its leader father, Yod. She gives the hippie girls a Madam Alex makeover to make them square enough that they won't scare the Johns, who are of the uptight suit and tie variety. Here's what a former Alex girl says about Alex's styling technique. 
I wouldn't call what Alex gives you advice. She spares you nothing. She makes a list of what she wants done, and she really gets into it. I mean, she wants you to get your arms waxed. She gives you the names of people who do good facials. She tells you what to buy in Nima Marcus. She's put off by anything flashy, and if you don't dress conservatively, she's got no problem telling you, in front of an audience, you look like a cheap whore. I used to wear what I wanted when I went out, and then change in the car into a frumpy sweater when I went in to give her the money. And she'd always go, Oh, you look beautiful. Simone, former Alex girl. She then backtracks on being so critical and praises some of Alex's advice, since working for the madam did net her a sports car and a mortgage down payment, after all. She still brings Madam Alex flowers and candy for Mother's Day. Madam Alex takes a cut of 40% from her employees. Soon, she has a thriving business. By 1972, Alex is making enough bank to quit the ambassador flower shop and work as a madam full-time. Even the oil crisis and Watergate can't put a dent in her trade. Her husband keeps his nose out of the ins and outs of her new side gig, and she doesn't know any of the particulars of his mob-involved property business. But Alex doesn't keep her mouth entirely shut about her new occupation. She has a friend who tends bar at the Ambassador, who she gives kickbacks to for bringing her new clients. One of the new prospective clients ends up being a cop doing a sting, and Alex catches her first pandering case, receiving a 60-day suspended sentence, a $50 fine, and a year of unsupervised probation. A week after the sentencing, Alex's second husband drops dead, on the same day as her father, from dual heart attacks. Her marriage of 11 years is suddenly, tragically over, at the same time her successful maddening business of three months is on ice. With three young sons to provide for, Alex makes the decision to go back to maddening. The field for high-end escorts is still wide open. She feels confident that the big money players will come back to her for more action. So she prays for her father, for her husband, and that she'll never get caught again. In a practical measure, she also reaches out to the LAPD vice division who'd busted her to establish a useful alliance behind the scenes. That was my big idea. Not to expand the book by aggressive marketing, but to make sure that nobody mistook my girls for run-of-the-mill hookers. And I kept my roster fresh. This was not a business where you pedal your ass, get exploited, and then are cast off. I screened clients. I never sent girls to weirdos. Despite her success as a madam in two marriages, Alex still has hang-ups about sex that she blames on growing up Catholic. She is obsessed with the idea of classiness as opposed to trashiness and pushes her very specific, demure, refined taste in looks on her girls. After the death of her second husband, Alex starts putting on a large amount of weight, which she says she does to stop catcalls, which it obviously doesn't. Other people say that Alex starts suffering some serious health issues that affect her physical appearance. What Alex looks like doesn't matter to her clients, to whom she is just a voice on the phone. According to her book, she saw herself as resembling, quote, a darker Marlena Dietrich, and her arms were always covered in scratches from her cats, who she fed whole fish from a market in Little Tokyo. Alex falls in love again, this time with a TV network executive who happens to be married. 
The affair lasts seven years, during which Alex is gifted hundreds of thousands of dollars in jewels and extravagant trips. She cries about him in expensive therapy sessions, unable to break her addiction to a taken man. When the therapy finally takes and the long affair ends for good, Alex swears off men forever in favor of the company of her cats. All of her pleasure is channeled instead into maddening and watching her business take flight. Every rich man in Los Angeles wants fancy call girls, and Madame Alex is ready and waiting to heed their calls. According to Alex, LA is a hick town when it comes to high-end escorting, lacking the glamour, wealth, and elegance of New York or Paris's escort scenes. She is nostalgic for glory days she has only heard tale of, when LA had glamorous brothels that provided the after parties for those nights at supper clubs like Ciro's. She even mentions a mythical brothel that appears in James Elroy's LA Confidential as the fleur-de-lis, with hookers cut to look like movie stars such as Greta Garbo, Jean Harlow, and Rita Hayworth. There's a rumor that Howard Hughes frequented this brothel, hiring the girls who looked like the actresses who had rejected him. I will add that podcaster and film historian Karina Longworth couldn't find any concrete evidence of this legendary place's existence when she wrote her Howard Hughes book entitled Seduction. As the 70s roll on, Alex surveys her competition, which according to her includes a few middling madams with no more than 20 girls working. There are what she calls cheap street hookers working on Sunset in Hollywood and what she calls really scary street hookers on Western Avenue. In West Hollywood, there is a massage parlor and the Paris Review, which is a place where you can take nude photos of models. Amazingly enough, the Paris Review still exists. It's now called Paris House, and it reopened after COVID. And that was it. That was the swinging 70s sex scene in Los Angeles, movie capital of the world. Alex's main clients are older men longing for the past, who rhapsodize to her about their glamorous glory days. She sends them her Sunset Strip hippie girls turned belle du jour. Everyone goes home happy. Alex gets really rich, what she calls Beverly Hills rich. Then she says there are some people she has to personally thank for her good fortune. Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Michael Eisner, Jimmy Carter, John Travolta, Donald Trump, Mike Milken, the Ayatollah Khomeini, Madame Claude, and the Red Brigade. I know this sounds very QAnon, but hold tight. She's just thanking them for kickstarting the economy in the late 70s and early 80s, specifically Jaws and Star Wars for bringing in the blockbuster era of movies that signals the death knell for the experimental artistic output of late 60s and 70s New Hollywood as it makes the big studios flush with cash again, baby. The tentpole movies give executives, well, tentpoles. And as cash becomes king, they are eager to spend it on Alex's girls. She gives the Hollywood guys glamour girls styled to her particular taste in what she calls a classic style, which means what Alex thought looked expensive. Creating ladies out of groupies, as she puts it, and introducing them to the new generation of baby moguls. She thanks Donald Trump for making conspicuous consumption come back into style. She thanks Jimmy Carter twice, first for creating the circumstances under which oil sheiks could come to Beverly Hills and need entertainment for the night, 
and again for the fiscal decisions that backlashed into the Reagan presidency and the greed-is-good 80s. She thanks the Ayatollah for bringing rich Iranians fleeing the 1979 revolution to Beverly Hills, helping usher in a new style of ostentatious luxury in Los Angeles, and attracting a more glamorous cultural element into L.A. that she calls, admiringly, Eurotrash. The Jet Set quickly outpaces the Hollywood set as repeat customers willing to spend untold amounts. The rates she'd been charging, $300 an hour, $1,000 for the night, $2,000 a night for trips, seem insultingly low to her highest rollers. So she raises them to what the market will bear. Alex calls her operation the Neiman Marcus of sex. The high rollers attract other high rollers and none of it attracts the attention of the cops because the LAPD are in Alex's pocket. She thrives in the new era of studio millionaires and other rich men who have to spend their endless money on something besides big ticket items like luxury cars and homes. In the late 70s and early 80s, she scouts for new talent at Ma Maison, the hip restaurant with the unlisted number that launched celebrity chef Wolfgang Puck. She becomes friendly with some of the other major American madams like Sidney Biddle Barrows, who runs a New York escort service called Cachet. They share cross-coastal referrals until Biddle is busted in 1984 and dubbed the Mayflower Madam because she is descended from Mayflower pilgrims. Biddle Barrows claim the coastal difference between Johns is that men in New York just want to talk and men in LA just care about looks. For the record, I don't think this is true at all because rich people are equally vapid everywhere. Plus, think about all the rich New Yorkers exiled in LA who just want to talk to hot girls. Back to Alex. At one point, 80% of Alex's clients are rich guys coming to Los Angeles from the Middle East. So she starts recruiting differently to fit the taste of her new clientele who prefer brunettes. Alex's girls get passports and start traveling internationally for work. Some of them complain back to Alex that the Johns who hired them just ignore them while they talk and play cards at parties for hours, only engaging in a fast round of sex at the very end of the night. Alex doesn't care. They're just paying for time. The Middle Eastern playboys are her dream clients. They love to spend money and they love Alex, who loves catering to them. One client requests four girls he saw on an aerobics show. Alex calls a TV executive friend and gets the proper contacts, offering the girls $25,000 each, which would be about $81,000 now for a single night. Everyone says yes. Meanwhile, the globalization of the madaming trade is going both ways, eventually affecting Alex's business in LA. Madame Claude is a Parisian madam with a world-renowned escorting business. She operates out of the Ritz, and her girls are multilingual international beauties, countesses, and models. Claude's girls have two years of cultural training for their vocation, and many of Alex's clients also see Madame Claude. In 1980, Madame Claude moves her business to L.A., and Alex is sure she is screwed, but she quickly prevails in popularity over the new wares. She compares it to the Beverly Hills Jewish deli Nate Nals remaining more popular than the New York transplanted Stage and Carnegie delis when they arrived out west. She also compares beating Madame Claude to the Lakers beating the Celtics. She's constantly trying to fix you up and marry you off. She introduced me to my boyfriend. Marry your boyfriend, she tells the girls. It's better than going to prison. 
When you go out with her, she'll buy you a present. She's incredibly generous that way, and she'll always tell you to save money and get out. It's frustrating to her when girls call at the end of the month and say they need rent money. She wants to see you do well. Madame Claude lasted two years in L.A. before she packed up Le Suitcase and moved back to France, according to Alex. It wasn't that the men here had anything against getting blowjobs in French or getting it on with countesses. But L.A. is a peculiar town, a tough town. And you have to sell L.A. sex in L.A., not snobby Paris sex, but fun, sunny, beachy L.A. sex. When Heidi World returns, Madame Alex's business meets the greed is good 80s. It's almost here. The NYX anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. 
Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome back to Heidi World. So, Madam Alex's business grows to even higher heights in the early 80s. She says her clients at the peak are heads, heads of state, heads of corporations, heads of universities, heads of studios, heads of record companies. She invests in real estate, buying a mansion in the Malibu Hills and having parties there for her customers. In the early 80s, the AIDS crisis begins. Alex worries it will hurt her business in puritanical sex-obsessed America. She starts insisting on condoms for all clients and regular AIDS tests for her employees. She claims this made people even more likely to use her business as the risks associated with picking up a stranger had changed drastically and Alex's girls were a familiar, safer choice. The party continues, Alex says, now wrapped in latex. Heavy winter rains lead to mudslides on the Pacific Coast Highway that render her Malibu Pleasure Palace inaccessible to even the richest mortals. So Alex moves her center of operations to a Bel Air mansion she calls Casa Pussy. Here, she entertains her crowd of big money Johns. She claims as much with food and repartee as sex. She tells of a producer bringing over an actress for tea to introduce her to some of Alex's girls for an upcoming job where she was playing a prostitute. In the late 80s, Alex catches another charge and is thrust, unwillingly, into the public eye. One of her girls is dating a creep who snitches to some cops about his girlfriend's occupation and her boss. The LAPD, who already know about Alex, still set up a sting operation, sending an undercover detective who's an attractive woman to ask Alex about picking up some work. Alex is open about her trade and invites the woman to come work for her, which allows the detective to accumulate enough evidence that by April of 1988, the district attorney is charging Alex with two counts of pandering and one count of pimping. By this point, Alex is 56 years old with several health conditions, and she is scared by the prospect of doing time. She threatens to go public about her special relationship with law enforcement, which involves the LAPD turning a blind eye to Alex's business operation in exchange for her services as an informant and perhaps even some party favors for policemen from Alex's girls. Then the Johns start freaking out, worried that their names will come out in the wash of information. Alex's clients reportedly include bold print names of all kinds, movie stars, producers, and politicians, as well as an international cast of wealthy businessmen and sheiks. With her cover already blown and her phone no longer ringing off the hook with business, Alex decides to speak candidly with Vanity Fair reporter Jesse Kornbluth. Alex had moved from Bel Air to a place in West Hollywood, where she ported over her collection of fancy antiques. 
Kornbluth gets a good look at Alex's Chamber of Secrets and describes it less glamorously than Alex does, comparing it to a dollhouse. He takes in the living room's decor, the blue and white chintz couches, fancy china, crystal vases, and dolly lithographs juxtaposed with a kitschy, moonlit winter night painting. The maid leads him down the hall past the 12 perfectly clean litter boxes that belong to Alex's 12 Persian cats. The bedroom is also blue and white with French doors and lush flowering indoor plants, Alex's own take on Macombo nightclub style old Hollywood chic. Alex is waiting for him on the bed, feeding Ecuadorian shrimp from the little Tokyo fish market to her favorite cat, Georgie. She wears a caftan over her large frame and is holding court from the bed, where she normally spends her days and nights on the phone with clients. Her hair is black, cropped and thinning, but her gaze is still intense. Kornbluth compares her to Edith Piaf, Gertrude Stein and Colette, a symbol of an old vanished bohemian world. According to Alex, she modernized the idea of running a prostitution business like a studio stable of stars. The emphasis was on the idea that Alex's girls were better than any other call girls you could hire, which she accomplished by successfully creating a glamorous mystique around them, a brand of elitism and exclusivity that was reflected in the high prices. Soon enough, former Alex girl Heidi Fleiss will adapt this technique and modernize it again for the end of the 20th century. The clientele being served are men who conflate price with quality, the more it costs, the better they believe it to be. It has a yuppie placebo effect, which was mutually beneficial for the Johns, who wanted to pay a lot for what they believed to be the top shelf of sex, and Alex and her girls who wanted to get paid a lot for the sex. This is to help you pay for what your parents couldn't provide. It's an honorable way station. A lot of stars did this. According to the Johns, Alex could also be sort of a flake. She put all of her energy into the makeovers, breast augmentations, new clothes, and haircuts. She talked up the newest girls to clients, but when it came to setting a date for a date, she could disappear. However, one anonymous client of Alex's admits that when the girl did show up, she'd be the best. So maybe even keeping the Johns waiting was a tactic, if not necessarily on purpose. Alex's signature piece of advice to the girls? Wash that beaver. Alex says she only fell in love one more time with a sheik that she never slept with. She visited him in Europe, but never consummated the relationship, believing he'd be disappointed. He introduced her to all of his friends who met her friends. Alex said the girls never had any issues abroad, but there were stories of girls getting stuck at customs with wads of cash and one rumor about a girl who never came back from her trip to Saudi Arabia. Alex sees herself ultimately as an arranger of relationships. There are plenty of men who want a beautiful wife or girlfriend, but don't want to put in the work to find and court her. In her eyes, Alex simplifies the process by providing eligible young bachelorettes who are looking for symbiotic relationships that will propel them up into the upper classes. In Alex's view, she simply made the best of a crooked world where rich men hold all the cards. Everything was consensual, just under the table by necessity. It's 
not like the arresting officer painted it. What happens to these girls afterward? Well, I'll tell you. They get married to people he wishes he knew. Obviously, the LAPD hates to see a girl boss winning. What Alex was doing was illegal, but not unethical. And why was it illegal anyway? Alex's own view of sex was simple, if misogynistic. A man screwing around doesn't mean anything. He just likes to get it off in a new hole once in a while. Women shouldn't feel bad when their men go to hookers. The men don't remember who they are. She claims to have gotten over her jealousy by letting one boyfriend date her employees, a madam's version of, if you're going to do it, do it at home. Alex's internalized sexism and leftover Catholic guilt had her believe that men are sexual creatures, women emotional. For someone in the oldest profession, Alex is very old school. Wives have one real reason for resentment. Their husbands don't take care of them. Women aren't cheats by nature, but they have to be cheats, or in their view, whores, because their husbands neglect them. That's why I always ask my clients, did you do your homework? Because you're more likely to get your wife to understand you're cheating if you do her first. The woman who sends Alex to trial is a 21-year-old undercover policewoman who goes by the name Renee Berwick. She was introduced to Alex in 1988 as a potential girl and got invited to the madam's house for tea in the big pitch. Renee said she was very interested, so Alex asked to see her breasts. Renee nervously unbuttoned her shirt, trying not to reveal the wire she was wearing underneath, but Alex demanded bra removal. She needed to see the goods if she was going to invest so she could determine if they needed work. The wire was almost certainly clipped to the undercover cop's bra, so she demurred out of feigned modesty. She departed and helped build the case against Alex. The big question is, why did the cops suddenly drop a dime on the madam after she enjoyed a special relationship with them for years unbothered? She was arrested a few times and charged that time in the 70s, but presumably in the interim since then and this late 80s case, she'd collected as much dirt on the Los Angeles Police Department as they had on her. A detective, Mike Brambles, from the Organized Crime Intelligence Division, admitted to knowing Alex for nine years. In court, he declined to speak about his relationship with Alex, citing Section 1040 of the California Evidence Code. Alex said she and Detective Mike Brambles still talked even after that. Nobody is sure what prompted the cops to come for her again. Maybe some aspect of their special relationship soured. Maybe they got itchy about what she knew about them. Faced with the end of her business, Madam Alex rhapsodized about what other careers she might have to try. She was interested in opening a health spa in Yelm, Washington, home of the religious cult Ramtha's School of Enlightenment. Or maybe she'd start a catering business in LA, harnessing her old school flower shop skills that had also served her so well as a madam. Detectives testified that Elizabeth Adams had provided important information on murder suspects, drug dealers, and terrorists, and the prosecutors agreed to a 1991 plea bargain in which she received 18 months probation. While Alex is caught up in the sticky case, someone else steps up to become a high-end madam. One of her best and favorite girls, a young, ambitious woman named Heidi Fleiss. This so-called person, Heidi? Whatever did make her a madam? 
Nothing, nothing did until that one year. And it was just out of rage and out of anger at Alex Elizabeth Adams. Why does Heidi turn on her formerly beloved mentor and madam? Because when her friend Wendy Tarr was killed, Madam Alex accused Heidi and her friends of descending like locusts on the dead girl's apartment to divvy up her luxury goods like dresses from Alaya amongst themselves. Heidi found this accusation so disgusting, she decided to humiliate Madam Alex by becoming her. She said I robbed the apartment before the body was cold, and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? That fucking freak. That fat pig freak. I went fucking crazy. Heidi and Alex's relationship was clearly very close before it soured. Madame Alex sent Heidi a book called The Perfumed Garden, a 15th century Arabic sex manual, and inscribed it. To my little love, I'm sure I'm more exciting than your Hungarian fucker. XOXO Alex. This one day, Madame Alex yelled at a girl. She was like, you are a ripple in a pond compared to my Heidi. But Heidi also studied Alex carefully, learning her trade, whatever distaste she had for Alex's brusque style and pretentious airs was tempered with a genuine fondness. Alex was both charming and very cruel. Alex trusted no one, not even me. I mean, I never lied, stole, or cheated her out of anything. And deep down, she knew this. That's why we were close. Next time on Heidi World, with Madame Alex out of the game, Heidi gets access to her little black book of high roller clients and starts her own high-end escorting business with a cool 1990s edge. Quickly, everyone in Los Angeles and all around the world wants to party with Heidi's girls. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.